Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today is my co-host, Rissa. Hello. How's it going, Rissa? Doing well. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to our listeners out there. So it's mid-month or or almost the end of the month already, huh? Yeah, it's almost almost February. So hopefully people's uh, year has, I don't know, how how has the year been going? I don't know. How, How has your year been going? Uh... It's been going all right. I mean, not much different from 2020 so far, um, but I did happen to get vaccinated. Well, my first shot uh, because I, I work in a laboratory, so I fall in um, one of the tiers here in California. Well, that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. And are you? Uh, and so that means your second shot is coming up then. Yeah, 28 days later because I had uh, I got the Moderna shot. I had no choice, so. Oh, that was the only one available. Yeah, and it just so happened to be the one that the lot that was um, was being investigated because of the the uh, anaphylaxis reactions that happened oh, in yeah, San Diego. Right. Uh, but yeah, they they re released the lot. They said it's actually fine. So um, I had no severe reaction. So everything is all good. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. So hopefully, the second shot, you know, it's not the. No severe reactions to that. So, yeah, I heard it's a little bit dicey for some people. So, um, hopefully, I don't feel sick or anything like that. Considering it's like right before my birthday. Oh, that would be uh, quite a birthday. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you had some <laughs> some sort of reaction to that. Yep. All right. So before we get into our growing up Disney series, which we are continuing with Dark Age two point movies. Uh, there was quite a bit of Disney action since the start of the year. Uh, one of the one of the big things was well had to do with Disneyland annual pass holders, uh, which included yourself and Nelson too. So um, yeah, they they effectively canceled the current pass holder system. Isn't that is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. They uh, sent emails out before they released the information. Um, but yeah, they essentially canceled the um, decades-old current system of of AP holders. So, um, it from what I can see, it's no longer going to be this tiered system. It's going to be a quote membership. Um, and right now, they're surveying various annual pass holders about uh, how it's going to look. And I don't really like it. They haven't surveyed you yet, have they? No, they haven't. But it's on social media. You can you can look at it on Twitter and and whatnot. Oh, the survey that they've been sending to people. Yeah. Yeah, it's from. I mean, from what I've heard, it it doesn't that membership thing doesn't seem like it's. A, I don't know. It a lot of people are not going to be happy with that. Uh, the thing that I'm a little bit disappointed about is the fact that they're charging more money than what we were paying, and you get a lot less uh, because it seems like they're modified flex passes um, and not even good flex passes. So it'll be interesting to see how people really react to it and if Disney goes forward with this. Um, 
I think their intention was to kind of like control the crowds based on a re- reservation system. But I think annual pass holders would have really accepted that that's what it's going to be like for now. So if they could have just maintained the flex pass level and, um, you know, downgraded everybody to that and then gone back to tiered, that probably would have been better. But I think Disney is seeing this as an opportunity to thin out their pass holder, um, you know, numbers. Do you think it there was just an abundance of pass holders, especially SoCal residents that were making up the pass holder system? Oh, definitely. Um, they're definitely part of the culture and the annual pass culture here in California. Um, it's a lot different here than it is in Disney World, which is why Disney World has said that they're not going to do away with their pass holders. Um, Southern California pass holders have had their passes for years, probably since the the inception of, of this um the former program, I think it started in 80, something like that. Yeah. It was in the early eighties. Yeah. So there's been a lot of time for them to build up membership, um, especially with the locals. And, but I do know that some locals even had the highest tiers too. So it's like, they weren't even just spending on the SoCal ones. They were, they were really like invested in Disney. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a little bit of a bit of a slap in the face to me. Um, So I'm, I'm just going to play a wait-and-see kind of game at the moment whether I'm going to invest in an annual pass again. Do you think if it, um, like once it it becomes more of what we were used to before, like they rework it or something, you would try to buy in if they if they do rework the system again? Yeah, definitely, because I love being an annual pass holder. But if Disney is going to keep doing this and, and focus on, I mean, it's a business and I understand that, but... I'm also a longtime loyal fan, so it kind of feels like a slap in the face and that they don't really care. They only care about the money. And this is something that um, Disney's, uh, Walt Disney's, um, I think, granddaughter or Roy Disney's granddaughter was talking about how um, the current executives aren't really thinking about their employees or customer service and that Walt would not be pleased. Oh, you're talking about Abigail? Mm -hmm. Abigail Disney? Yeah, Roy's granddaughter. Yeah, she she I mean, she's been really vocal about the way the corporation's being run. Um, but I, I understand that it's there's a business aspect to it, but they the the people who are really invested in it are the fans and the people that spend the money, you know? So they should they should focus on taking care of them instead of just the investors. Yeah. And it's I don't know how they can last if they continue to do this. It, it's sad. It really is because they started out as a, as a family company and a family-oriented company and it's turned into a corporate mad grab. You know, not only are they acquiring different media giants, um, they're, they're not honoring their fans at the moment. Yeah, it is a bit sad. And even with rumors of them moving from California to Florida, that's another, that's like, you know, that's more of, they don't want to pay high taxes or something like yeah. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, that's life, I guess. You know, <laughs> once you get taken over by a by a conglomerate like a corporation, then the corporation just takes over. Yeah, it's a business, like we've been saying, and um, I understand that it's a smart business move. But as a fan, it's it's really disheartening. Yeah, it's a bit sad to see that. Like, where's Walt's uh, dream and his vision? You know, I don't know if his vision was to be become this giant, you know, corporation. I, 
I feel like he he his love was for the movies. Yeah, <laughs> I think his love was for spreading imagination and and providing a space for families. Really, um, that was his goal for Disneyland, at least. And um, I think it was also his goal for animation and and that you know his his film making um, to provide a space for you to to escape with your family too. Yeah, I, I see what you're what you mean here because like even his vision for Epcot was to be a community and it wasn't really to be you know another theme park. Right. So yeah, it's that whole community family aspect where everybody can come together and just you know have their dreams come true. So Yeah, he was definitely a visionary that that focused on community and family and um imagination geared towards uh the betterment of of society. Very very idealistic, but mm-hmm. um you know, corporations, you know, that's right. what happens. <laughs> All right. So let's uh let's move into our growing up Disney series. We're on to Dark Age 2.0. Now, I mean, they really had a lot of films in this era, uh, a lot of them, I mean, are not included in the Dark Age. There were only 10 that got included in the Dark Age 2.0. But there were 67 films in this period from the year 2000 to 2007. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, so uh, did you did you get to take a look at these? There are 10 there. Um, Fantasia 2000, Dinosaur, Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, The Lost Empire... Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken Little, and Meet the Robinsons. So do you remember any of those? I remember watching a lot of them. I don't remember watching all of them. Okay, well, a lot of them are forgettable. But some of them are actually really good. Yes, Emperor's New Groove, um, definitely great movie. Lilo and Stitch, another great movie. Uh... Fantasia 2000, it was all right. Um, it was especially all right watching it in IMAX. Yeah, that was like the advent of IMAX, like the one of the first films to actually be put on on in that IMAX screen. Mm-hmm. So, um, what did you think about? Because that was like early on in the in like when when Sony had the Metreon, right? Right. And they and they had that big IMAX screen, which they I believe they still have, but it's not Sony anymore. It's Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it what might did be an you, AMC now. Oh, AMC, yeah, it went Lowe's and then AMC now. So, what did you what did you think when you watched it there, like in San Francisco? I think I was blown away. Um, this being one of the earlier IMAX movies, uh, and the fact that it was a Disney movie definitely added to the appeal. Uh, because we did own the original Fantasia, and I remember watching it a lot as a child. And I believe we talked about that with the classic animated movies. Um, right. But yeah, watching Fantasia two thousand, um, I think I might have mentioned this before but there was one sequence that it was a uh, rhapsody in blue and it, the animation was really um eye-catching and uh it makes me think of the united commercial now but yes <laughs> earlier on that was uh it was fantasia 2000 that i always thought about and there is a sequence with um like the earth spirit like she's like a sprite that shows yeah. up in world of color yes I, I like that some people don't even know where it came from right mm-hmm. like they're like what is that yeah, it's Fantasia well, it's 2000. Fantasia 2000. Yeah, it's that there were some sequences in the movie that I really remember, but overall I don't really remember Fantasia 2000 very much. Same. It's just like, you know, you'll pick some and you'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I remember that part." And then the others is like, "I don't remember." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely remember the original Fantasia a lot more. Same, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the next the next one in this was Dinosaur. So, do you remember 
Actually, when we went to Animal Kingdom, you rode the, the ride for Dinosaur, did you? I did. What do you think? Indiana Jones knockoff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not as good. It's it's Indiana Jones with a picture. <laughs> so yeah, um, but the movie, do you do you recall this movie at all? It was it was 3D animated. I honestly don't remember the movie. Um I don't even know if we watched it. Um because I think I have the one of the soundtracks on my phone under on my Disney playlist, but I I really I don't remember. I only remember one sequence where the egg is like being transported with like right. in water or something like that. But yeah, that's all I remember about the movie. Yeah, it's pretty much the opening sequence. <laughs> but yeah, that movie, I, I really enjoyed the animation aspect of it. But story-wise, I was just like, this is just like any other story. It it was um forgettable pretty much. Is it basically like Land Before Time meets, I don't know, what is it, the good dinosaur? Yeah, it's kind of like that. But good dinosaur was even more innovative than that, you know? This one was just like... They're migrating and, you know, they have an enemy, which is the carnivore. You know, it's just like that. You know, they're, mm. they're trying to find the where they're going to move to. It, yeah, kind of like Land Before Time. So it's just, you know, it's been done before. Yeah. But the animation, that I think was the draw to this because it was on the cutting edge of at the time, 2000. So, yeah. So the next one here, we've got The Emperor's New Groove. Now, I feel like this is a classic and people are sleeping on it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... It's definitely appreciated by millennials um, because the, what was it, last year's um, Funko, one of the main Funko Pops was the Yzma Cat. Oh, yeah. During uh, SDCC virtual. But yeah, this movie was so great that they ended up having an animated series as well. Um, They had a spinoff. And yeah, I, it's, it's surprising to me that they lumped this into the Dark Age uh, because it's such a strong showing. Like the the voice actors are really great, and um, the play between Isma and Kronk is always hilarious. And Potch is pretty cool. That was uh, John Goodman's voice there, right? Mm-hmm. And then they got David Spade to be the Emperor, so it's it's like you know this this nice good voice cast, and the the story was not bad at all, you know. But who knows? So that one was actually wasn't that based on the Emperor's new clothes, kind of like that. I think so. I think that was the intention. Okay, yeah, but based in Peru, so mm-hmm. it was nice. I, I really enjoyed it, and they have like a lot of uh, funny scenes, and and there are you know memorable li- memorable lines in the movie that it's just like, oh yeah, I remember that line. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I one liners. Yeah, I I love. Um, I I really want them to make an Isma um, secret laboratory roller coaster ride. Um, probably in Animal Kingdom. You know, that would be nice. Where you pull the lever and then wrong lever. <laughs> no matter which lever you pull, it's the wrong lever. And just sets off the ride and you're doing the roller coaster. That yeah. would be cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one we have started was in 2001. It's Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I just recently watched this. What did you think about it? It's been so long since I've watched it. I don't really remember the story, but I do remember watching it. And I remember Milo and what's her, her name? Kita? Yeah, Kida. Yeah. So she's a Disney princess. Yeah. Why don't they uh, include her in the Disney princesses? Because it's the dark ages. I know. They just want to forget about it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's one of those, you know, adventure type movies. It was okay. It kind of reminded, it's kind of like uh, Pocahontas, but Meets underwater. Indiana Jones. Yeah. But yeah. he's nerdy, not hot like Harrison Ford. Pretty much. That's that's pretty <laughs> much what they're what they're doing. It's like. 
Pocahontas meets Indiana Jones type thing. Yep. So yeah. Then we have Lilo and Stitch in 2002. Now that was uh, another... That one was actually a hit. And they yeah. had they also had, you know, that whole Lilo and Stitch animated series too. Mm-hmm. So this what one, did you think about that one? This one is definitely a standout in the Dark Ages. I don't... <laughs> I mean, I feel like they have to put it in there because it's like during that time period, but it's such a strong showing. It's finally, a, you know, another strong ethnic cultural showing for Disney um, where it's a Hawaiian family and they, you know, talk about their culture. They show their culture and it's a good representation movie. And it's also a lot of fun. Like she has a blue alien dog. Like who doesn't want that? And Lilo is this weird little kid that feeds a fish a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day because, you know, it controls the weather. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it it really blends nicely more serious topics with being a kid's movie. Because, you know, Lilo's sister Nani, she's trying to pretty much keep custody of Lilo because they don't have parents, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, she's doing everything she can to keep the house and, and pay all the bills and still take care of Lilo because Lilo's like a little girl. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful sister story. And it's really touching. I think it's one of the few movies from this time period that I'll like watch and cry, you know? It's it's like one of those good cry movies for, for Disney because it's such a close-knit family when, you know, all they have is each other. Uh, and it, it's kind of one of those movies that you show to your, to your uh, kids that if they have fighting siblings, you're like, this is all you have. Like, if we were to leave right now and, like, you, you lost us, like, you only have each other. And the fact that Nani took care of Lilo through everything, no matter what Lilo did, no matter what she said, um, she was still there for her. That's, you know, that's an amazing story. Yeah, definitely. So it's just like, you know, there there's that Ohana that's that they're trying to portray there. Yeah. So the the next the next movie we have here is um is Treasure Planet in 2002. So basically, it's a retelling of Treasure Island, but it's a whole planet this time instead of instead of the, just the island. And uh do you remember watching this at all? Nope. I don't think I watched it. I didn't watch the next 3 movies. Yeah. The, these were the forgettable ones. So I just like recently put Treasure Planet on Disney Plus and I'm just like, I'm going to switch to Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching the kid in a, on a flying boat, but I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, it could have been good, but it, it really wasn't that great. Um, they, they, again, their, their focus here was kind of like with Dinosaur where they're trying to use the technology to make it look crisp and stuff because they, they use the computers to to make this make this movie so I, I think that was their focus here the technical aspect rather than really focusing on the story even though the story is the same as Robert Louis Stevenson's story you know yeah <laughs> eh, who knows but yeah the the next that one and the other next two are just really forgettable like Brother Bear was the next one in two thousand three and you don't remember this at all nope I just remember I call it the other Phil Collins movie. Okay, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember it, it parts of it. Like, there's a bear, and there's a kid that turns into a bear, or something right. like that. Yeah, and, and yeah. I was like, "Wait, Brave?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brave came later, but this was right. this was yeah. It, I think it was like a Native American connection, so it was like in 
um, America. Yeah, it was in the Americas. It's probably California. That's why they have it in California Adventure too. I think they just wanted to to put something in California Adventure. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so they just did that, right? Probably. Yeah. So then you got Home on the Range, which was the next one, and it's just like, okay, here we go again. You know, farm animals, great. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> that one. I don't think I watched it. I don't think I did either. It's one of those, you know, because 2004, I was in high school then, and it's just like I don't, I don't even, I didn't even want to watch that because it just like looked like a kitty, kitty movie, you know. However, in 2005, I did watch Chicken Little. I did watch that. So I think we watched it one. in theaters. I think you were with me. You were my chaperone. I think so. I think you're right. Because I, I was a so. freshman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Chicken Little. I, I did I did watch it again recently on Disney Plus. What, what did what are your thoughts on that movie? Do you do you remember any of it? It's just a classic telling of Chicken Little, I think, and I think it's Zach Braff that is the voice of Chicken Little. Yeah, except they put aliens in this one. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> that sky is falling thing. That was the aliens. Oh mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was inventive, but I I don't know. There's something about it. That, to me, I guess it was they didn't focus enough on the animation. I, I don't know. It was just I, all over the place, I guess, for me. I feel like during all of this time, like the dark age for Disney animation, it definitely was because they were struggling to keep up with Pixar. Right. This is prior to them buying Pixar, but they were working together with Pixar, right? Yeah, they were all Disney Pixar releases, but I feel like they wanted the studio itself, like Disney Animation Studio, to come back to, you know, to greatness right after the Renaissance. Like, it's hard to see them struggle during this time when, you know, the Renaissance was such a strong showing. So it's like with with Disney Animation, they wanted it to be co- to have that like Frozen or Tangled or something. Yeah, like that, right? they wanted to be able to stand on their own two feet, which they didn't have at this point of time. No, kind of sad, but you know that eventually they get the Frozen, they get the Tangled, they get the Princess and the Frog. But it's after this period. Wasn't the Princess and the Frog kind of a flop too? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the whole reason why they were like, we're not gonna make another two D princess movie ever again. Yeah. That's a shame, though, because I, I enjoy the Princess 2D movies. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if they've touched 2D ever since that movie because they, they had this theory because Pixar was so strong during their dark age that it was because people were lured towards 3D animation. But I don't think that's a thing. It was just the fact that they weren't telling compelling stories. I think you're right. I think Pixar was always strong on the story portion, and that's that's the reason why the 3D was doing well. It's because Pixar's stories were really good. Right. And that's why when they acquired Pixar, they put John Lasseter in the the head, right? So Yeah, but But, he struggled too later on. Yeah, he did. With Cars 2 and Planes and... (laughs) Meet the Robinsons, though. That was the next one after Chicken Little. And I actually thought that that was a 3D movie and I thought that the story was pretty good in that. What did you think of, of that movie? I didn't watch it. I only remember uh, the Jonas Brothers song that came from it. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That one was about a kid inventor, you know, and then he goes to the future and it's just like... Wasn't there like a T-Rex? There was because they brought it from the past. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that that movie, you know, it's kind of like, like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to screw with your timeline, right? That's, that's their whole thing. And something about family, blah, blah, blah. Again, another family story. Yeah. But yeah, that was pretty much all the movies in Dark Age 2.0. Like half of them are forgettable. 
And yeah. the other half are good. So it's just like, you know. Yeah. Like they didn't know what they were. They didn't really have a direction. But now I feel like Disney animation does because they have a, a good center being Jennifer Lee. Right. Being their creative center. So, yeah. I mean, like you were touching on during this period, there were other movies in here like by, by Pixar that were really good. Like Monsters, Inc. was in here. And then you have uh, Finding Nemo in here as well. And you have The Incredibles in here. So it's just like hit after hit for them. Yeah. Then they, they throw in Cars and Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, I don't know. That That's that's probably why you were saying there. Disney was trying to think of what to do. <laughs> yeah, I think they were struggling because, you know, one arm of their their... I mean, they didn't own Pixar. They were their distributor. So it was Disney Pixar. But... Like they were struggling because they wanted to see that success as well. But like if you look at all of these other movies during this time, like the live action movies, they had some hits. Right. So any of these that you that stick out in the live actions here? Remember the Titans. Oh, that was the first one there, 2000, in 2000. That is an iconic, one of the quintessential sports movies that you need to show people that's not really about sports, you know? Right. It's about race relations. It's about the old South and, you know, how friendship can overcome and teamwork can overcome um, hardship. You know, if you stick together, you can you can win it out. And that's one of the movies that like it's like Denzel and that's in there. So and I think right. Ryan Denzel, Gosling yeah. or Gyllenhaal, which one of them. Some famous guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think. Donald Faison is in that as well. Like it's a good, like a good strong cast. And that movie, like it's a compelling story that you you feel for the characters. Yeah, you really feel a connection to them and you're just like, wow, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you got the Princess Diaries uh in here. Yeah, yeah, both. Anne Hathaway's breakout, and then my secret actual favorite movie. <laughs> Which one? The second one? Yeah. What so Let's talk about that second movie, Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. What what drew you to that movie? Honestly? Yeah. Uh Chris Pine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um no, I I I love um Chris Pine and Anne Hathaway's uh chemistry in the movie. Um and obviously Julie Andrews and the fact that she sings in this. So it's That's right. I don't know. Gary Marshall has a way with those feel-good movies and finding the love story in it all. And, like, there's there's that will-they-won't-they between um, Nicholas and and Mia. And then also um, you throw in, what's his name? The security guard guy? I mean, yeah, there's that love story, but I wasn't too fond of that one. Um, (laughs) No, her fiancé, what was his name? Andrew? Andrew, I think it was. So, yeah, Callum Blue, he's also a looker, but and he has the accent. Chris Pine. <laughs> uh, the girls were pining over him, right? Yes. <laughs> Although his hair was really weird in in that movie, it made his hair his head look big. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but my favorite scene in Princess Diaries two is probably that night scene when he says uh, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, and then they go and dance when there's no music and they ride their horses in the dark and it's really romantic and they they dance to non diegetic music of Nora Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Some some good um, like rom com for you. Yes, I love a good right? rom com. <laughs> That's why I I tell people that my favorite movie is The Breakfast Club, but really it's The Princess Diaries too. 
Not the first one. The second one. I, that's one of those where it's like, you wouldn't think a sequel would be your favorite, but it is. <laughs> yeah. It's my guilty pleasure, but really not. I own it. <laughs> oh, you own the fact that that's your favorite movie? Yeah. I mean, they had, like even Raven Simone's in there, right? <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, Julie Andrews, like you, you didn't think that she was ever going to sing again after that botched node surgery. Exactly. That's why it's like, Wow, she's singing. Yeah, and if you watch the um, the bonus features, they say that like grown men, like buff grown men, the grippers and the gaffers were crying when she first sang those few notes. Because they, they knew about the bot surgery and everything? Oh, everybody did. You know, oh, that was big news. Of course, it was news. headlines. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like some, some doctor destroyed the voice of, of a, you know, generation. Yeah, exactly. She's Mary exactly. Poppins. And and she was and also Maria. in Sound of Music. Yeah, Maria yeah. in Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's you know an iconic person that you know you you didn't think she was ever going to sing again, and and now she she actually got to sing in a movie again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I mean, even in this this era, you get things like Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, mm-hmm. you're introduced to to that whole series. There are two movies in this era, and it's just like wow, the, there there are some good. Movies. That's a Jerry Bruckheimer, right? So there's it's still like, so bad ones like the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> that's true. You do see the Haunted Mansion in this one, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was one of those like they wanted to put a big name, Eddie Murphy, at the time, and they didn't really have a good story. So I thought it was a good story. They just dropped the ball on it. It was a bit too on the nose, too much slapstick, and they could have developed a really, really good movie, even if it had that kind of funny aspect. Because if you look at, like, I'm going to take us off on a tangent, but if you look at Adam Sandler's movie Click, it's kind of like slapstick, hilarious comedy, but there's this underlying story about family and commitment and finding the love through it all, you know, and about sacrifice, where, you know, the Haunted Mansion, like, there's this connection to the past. This ghost is in love with his wife because she looks like the long lost love that he, you know, from before. Like, there's a connection there. Like, he could have shown range and added more depth to the character and, you know, told a really good story. But they dropped the ball. Yeah, they did. But uh, I'm glad. I mean, Eddie Murphy, like, pretty much dropped off the map, you know, after like that. Yeah. Because I don't know. He, he just seemed to not recover after having some some failures like this one and like daddy daycare you remember that i watched that a lot (laughs) yeah because we had it on dvd yeah i thought it was funny but it's just like you know that he was he was like the hottest star and then all of a sudden he's just not on the map anymore because of some bad movies that he chose to do (laughs) yeah there's a lot of good movies on this list I'm, i'm seeing um the game plan the pacifier enchanted oh man the music in that so yeah that was like one of the the last ones in this era it was that and the national treasure book of secrets so what did you think about enchanted that was i i i like the blend of you know or like making fun of this of princess movies but actually having like a princess movie underneath it was, was meta kind of, it was super yeah. meta i i'm absolutely obsessed with enchanted not just because of patrick dempsey or um james marson but because of the story it's such a great story of like somebody that 
didn't know what the world was and she fell in love with the real world more than she did with her fantasy world because she grew up thinking that she knew what she wanted, which was a man, but really she didn't. She just wanted to, you know, find her passion. And that's what she did when she found um, New York. You're right, though. It's super meta. It's super meta. And the fact that Alan Menken was involved and I'm really, really looking forward to the the sequel that's coming on Disney+. Plus. So are, are they, you know, do you know who they're, are they bringing back Amy Adams? Oh, they're and, bringing back and, the full cast. Oh, wow. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey said that they're going to start um, filming spring of this year. That's going to be interesting. I, I wonder what they're going to do with this story. Do you, did they say what they're going to do? They didn't They didn't say. It's probably really, really under wraps. Um, but I'm hoping Idina lends her voice. I think people will be a bit jarred, um, but it would be nice to to revisit her character um, in, in uh, what was their place? Andalasia. She she went and married James Marsden, right? Oh, yeah. she went to Prince become Edward. the animated. Yeah, yep, she, became she became the became animated. Queen. Yeah, she's a double queen. Cool. <laughs> she's a queen twice, man. She's frozen and she's an enchanted. What? Well, technically, <laughs> now it's only once because she abdicated, but it's fine. <laughs> okay, well, she still has the enchanted. Right, you know, she's Andalasia. still queen of Andalasia, so that works. <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice to hear her sing because that was kind of, they dropped the ball there. They had Idina Menzel and she didn't sing. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. I was like, what happened there? You know? But yeah, that that was a that was a really good cast, I think. Yeah. In that movie. And it being 2007, like she was still in her prime. Like that was when she was doing uh, Wicked. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ball dropped Disney. Fix it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure if they're using Alan Menken again, right? To I think so, the, but it'll be I'm sure he'll write something. It'll be weird because everybody's going to be like Elsa. <laughs> yeah, because they know her as Elsa. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All right. So, any other any other movies in this period that that really stuck out to you that you remember well or anything? Or? There's a like three a um, Lindsay Lohan movies on here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was really popular back then, right? Yeah, but it ended with uh, Mean Girls. That's true. Like after that, she just dropped off the map. So Freaky Friday and then Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen and then what was the other? Oh, Herbie. Herbie Fully, Herbie loved, fully loaded. Three, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really loved her as an actress. And it seemed like she was doing just movies. Yeah. I don't remember her being in any series. Um... I know she did Disney Channel movies, but I don't remember her doing any TV series. Yeah, because I just remember her in those movies like Life Size. And, and Get a Clue. Right. And some other things on Disney Channel. And then she, I think she did some hosting too on Probably. Disney Channel. Probably, yeah. But like no Disney Channel original series. Ooh, one one movie that I always watched is Sky High. Oh, that's the one with uh, Kurt Russell? Yeah. Yeah, that's on Disney Plus too now. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's basically up, up, and away, but bigger production. Um, you have Kay Panabaker. Uh, right. What's his name? The kid that ends up becoming Will Stronghold, and he's like, you know, he gets powers and everything. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's superhero movie before those things were super popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so it's just, you know, and then they, they throw in some other animated movies that are not under this label, like Tigger Movie and Pooh's Heffalump Movie, you know? They're still Disney, but they're not under the Disney Animation Studios. Right. They're like the Disney Toon Studios. But right. 
Those were good. I, I think they were okay. They were okay. But I still, then, then I still they... laugh at National Treasure. Well, you do? Yeah, because it's like it's it's funny. <laughs> it they're trying to be so serious about it with Nick Cage, and you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a humongous escape room. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did with those. They had two of them, like stealing the Declaration of Independence in the second movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of people, like I think during my Washington D.C. trip, they were saying that um, they had to put more security because people kept trying to touch different artifacts. Oh, because of because national of treasure. national treasure. Yeah, because my my Washington D.C. trip was in two thousand five, and National Treasure was released in two thousand four. Okay, so pretty much they were just like. <laughs> Stop trying to touch the documents. <laughs> yeah. You go to the, the all the museums and there you know people are trying to find clues or something like Yeah. That. Dude, mm-hmm. there's there's no clues there. Come no. on. <laughs> yeah, it's all fiction. <laughs> yeah. I but, feel like you know. they tried to do like the the Da Vinci code, but you know, it's for, national for treasure. whole families, yeah. for the, the whole family, yeah. I I mean it it was successful, I think, it, the movies I mean, themselves. They spawned a sequel, so Right. So it worked, but, you know, you thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was. Well, I mean, when I watched it originally, I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. But now I think it's funny. Nick Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage, yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, like they've got even like the Santa Claus 3 is in here too. Yeah. The, the escape clause. Mm-hmm. That's the one where he had to get married. No, that was the second one. Oh, that was the second one. Oh, that's a, that's even in this period too. Oh, Santa is it? Santa Claus 2. Yeah, 2002. And then Santa Claus 3. The escape clause. Is that the one with the clone? Yeah, it was like a toy, big toy doll Santa Claus. Yeah, the weird looking one. And I think Jack Frost makes a. Yep, Jack an Frost uh, steals steals uh, Santa Santa's yeah. uh, whole thing operation. Mm-hmm. That Martin Short. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the Santa Claus three. I liked the second one better. Where he had to get married. But what is it with like Disney and number twos making people get married? Like Princess Diaries two, Mulan two. I don't know. Santa Claus too. Like, Everybody has to get married. Yeah, that's their uh, that's their whole spiel. Is the second movie has to has to do with people getting married. I don't know. You know, Cars <laughs> two. It should have been about Sally and Lightning getting married. It probably would have done better. Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea though. I mean, I don't know. They made it a spy movie. I don't know why. <laughs> they, they wanted a double of seven for themselves. The problem was that they they went down the hole of using the sidekick and trying to make the sidekick the main character. And that's one of the the dangers that Disney has fallen into because the sidekick fills a role on purpose of being a sidekick. They don't develop enough backstory for those characters. But I guess Mater was just so popular. Laster thought, oh, let's make a whole movie for him. I don't know. Yeah, but that's what (laughs) shorts are for. And they did make shorts for for Mater too. Yeah, and those work (laughs) because it's not a full-length feature. Right, exactly. Those were really good, though. I like the shorts better than the second movie. Yeah, because it works. Definitely. All right. So um, anything you want to say about this whole period to uh, close? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird period because you have really great movies folded within there. Um, like the 2000s had some great movies, but the animated features, like you, it leaves something to be desired. Which is unfortunate. Save Lilo and Stitch and Emperor's New Groove. Those are two really strong movies and super underrated in my opinion. Definitely. I agree with you there. I mean, you got the good movies folded in with these 
bombs. So it's just like, uh, no wonder they call it the Dark Age 2.0 movies and they put those specific movies in there except for, like you mentioned, Lilo and Stitch as well as, uh, what was it? Emperor's New Groove. That was a good one. So Yeah, super underrated. All right. So anything you want to tell our listeners in close? Yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, sorry we had a bit longer of a hiatus than we anticipated, but um, we're back and I hope you guys enjoyed and are continuing to stay safe. So yeah, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning into this episode and we hope you enjoyed. On behalf of Rissa, I'd like to say, keep your watches, sync to Disney time. See ya. Bye. Disney.